This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Um, thank you all so much for coming out today um, and just being here together on Mother's Day. Before I begin, I want to put up a picture. This is my mommy um, when I was about five years old. And you can tell by the way that I'm looking at her that I just absolutely adored her and I still do. She was a true example of... Um, just uh, what, a, what a mother should be. She prayed for us. She never gave up on us, even when we were rotten little scoundrels, and um, always pointed us towards God. And um, I also have to point out that my brother's head is as big as mine, and he was only about six months old. But um, <laughs> Well, I have three children now, um, Abby, Luke, and Lincoln. Abby is 12, Luke is 10, and Lincoln is 8. And um, motherhood is absolutely wonderful, but I don't think you can ever truly expect what motherhood is going to bring. I remember before I had Abby, uh, my heart was just filled with so much hope and expectation. I wrote her letters um, while I was still pregnant with her. I dreamed of all the things that my children would be. Um, just from looking at other parents and seeing what to do and what not to do, I knew what kind of parent I was going to be. I knew what kind of mommy I was going to be the best. I was going to be the best mother, and in turn, I would have the best children, because that's the way it works, right? And um, you dream that your children are going to lead worship someday, that they're going to be strong in the Lord, and they're going to say, uh-uh, devil, you get back. That's what she was saying right there. That they'll write you little love notes that says, I love you. You are beautiful. You take care of me like a rose. I love you. Yes, I do. And then you have to notice in the upper right-hand corner, it says, spank me if you have to. (laughs) She was just letting me know, it's okay. You know, you can spank me if you have to. I rarely did with that child, but then I just went on and had more kids. And yeah. And this, uh, yeah, you you say to yourself, um, I'm going to cherish every moment. I'm going to cherish every moment. And then you blink, and they're 12. And I don't know how that happens, no matter how much you think you're going to cherish every moment. And you say, my kids are going to be the most fun kids ever to walk the planet. And those fun things are never going to lead to embarrassing things like public intoxication. (laughs) And I do have to give a disclaimer. This was at a Jewish Seder, and it was grape juice. But I just thought it was hysterical. My kids are so funny. Um, You know, you say things to yourself like, no child of mine will ever have to be dragged out of Target kicking and screaming, or Kroger, or Walmart, or Old Navy, (laughs) or kicked out of Old Navy, as it were. Um, My kids will never, ever embarrass me in public, at church, or at sporting events. Sorry, sporting events or church or weddings. (laughs) This really happened. It was his risky business stage. Um, The boy can cut a rug. And you don't realize the importance of hiding the Sharpies and keeping them hidden or that one day they would use the Sharpie to tell you important messages (laughs) and honestly here the kid was in first grade I was just impressed that he could put a sentence together (laughs) you know do not come up here I was like he's brilliant he's so funny 
Um, and it's still there because I'm sure he still means it, right? Um, and then there's the time that you never, you pray never happens when your husband has just become the pastor of a church that has a glassed-in lobby and someone comes up and pokes you on the shoulder and says, is that your kid peeing in the grass? And then you do this. <laughs> yeah. He didn't want me to tell that story, but I think we can all guess which kid it was. Um, and lastly, you know, you're just really thankful that things like writing it out works so you don't have to sell them in a yard sale. <laughs> and just kidding, just kidding. Honestly, I mean, selling kids, that's, that's not a laughing matter. But when you have three children and one is the middle kid and he keeps track of everything that happens and you have to be equal then you stick a, a picture in like that because you know one cannot have more pictures than the other so um anyway when i first started working on this message i was really excited about what god was laying on my heart to share and obviously i've been a mother for 12 years now so that makes me an expert on parenting and it gives me the moral authority to stand up here and talk to you guys about parenting not but hopefully you know the holy spirit is going to speak through me he's going to share what he wants to share but I've been noticing and observing through um, social media lately and just in person some things that I'm hearing from mothers and women in general. And it basically, you know, I started putting two and two together. There's just a trend going on of women that are ridden with feelings of guilt, pressure, stress to be the best, um, pressure to keep up or pressure to maybe even one up everyone else and I would see and hear these comments and honestly I just wanted to grab these women and just kind of sit them down over a cup of coffee because encouragement and exhortation would kind of well up in my spirit I just wanted to say this is not the will of God for you okay God never meant for you to experience these feelings and honestly you know as a mother I struggle with these feelings in relation to other things in my life but not really so much with parenting I mean, yes, I have my, the same insecurities that every woman does, but um, I kind of just tried to laugh my way through life. In fact, uh, Tim, if you'll put that last picture up there, I saw this the other day and it, it made me laugh because it's kind of like the way I look at life. I plan to give you love, nurturing, and just enough dysfunction to make you funny because like we put the fun in dysfunction, not true dysfunction, but just, you know, some fun and stuff. And um, I thought that... You know, that kind of m mirrors the way I like to look at life until I started working on this message. And as I began to work on this message, something happened. It was very disturbing to me. I felt an honest-to-goodness attack of the enemy. And I, I even told Aaron, I was like, I don't even think I should speak on Mother's Day. Just the past two weeks, everything that could go wrong with your children went wrong. Um, just things you don't expect and um, disappointing things that I just would hear voices in my head. You can't even control your own children. What makes you think that anybody's going to want to listen to you get up on stage and talk about parenting? And I can't tell you how badly I've just wanted to go back, start all over again, and do it all over because I was convinced that if I just had one more chance, I could really do it right this time. And this, coming from a Christian who knows the Bible, this, coming from 
a pastor's wife, no less. So it got me wondering, you know, if I feel this way, how does everybody else feel? So I decided to ask, and I put a a status update on Facebook, and I said, you know, help me out here. I'm working on this message. I want to hear from you. I want to know how you feel. What sorts of things do you go through as mothers, as fathers? I, I invited, I had a couple of men actually respond to I was absolutely overwhelmed with the response that I got. I probably got close 35 or 40 responses from people. A lot of inbox messages um, because I told them that that would be kept anonymous. I had uh, grandparents. I had empty nesters. I had pregnant women who aren't, have not yet had their first child. Um, I had women who have lost uh, children. And um, it was just gutsy, honest, and heartbreaking. And while I can't read every response, I did want to read this first one. I want to read this one because to me, it just kind of summed up what I was getting from everyone else. And this is from a friend of mine that um, I went to church with a couple of churches ago, and we're still really good friends. And to look at her, you would think she's super mommy. I would have never imagined that any kind of feelings like this would come from her. But she says... As a parent, I struggle with so many things. The fear that my past will come back to haunt me and my kids. And then I wonder, do I spend enough time with them? Am I too hard on them? The one thing that scares me the most is this. I only have one chance to get it right. This is what runs through my mind more than anything. I only have one chance and I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to mess it up. Can I get an amen on that one? I think we all feel like that. We're human. But thankfully, Romans 8, 1 and 2, it gives us some hope and some encouragement that our failures are not our future. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much, God. We don't have to listen to the voice of the tormentor. We don't have to listen to every voice that comes our way. But God, we thank you for that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, for your promises that you remind us of. We thank you, Lord, for that gentle guidance that tells us which way to go, when to step, when to stay put. We thank you, Lord, that we're not alone. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I'm going to talk to you about three areas of parenting, three habits, actually, that will either make you or break you as a parent. Comparison, control, and communicating blessing. My hope and prayer is that through this teaching, we can all just basically hit the reset button. Isn't that good? Sometimes that God affords us that. We can hit the reset button and start over. And we'll just establish a biblical foundation for our lives and then move forward together in encouragement of one another. The first area that I want to talk to you about, something I think is actually plaguing women today. It's plaguing people in general from what I can see and what I can tell. And that is the sin of comparison. The sin of comparison. To me, comparison is a dirty word. It will cripple you. And I know this as well as anyone. 
you know, I think if you're human, you kind of feel that, kind of trying to creep in every now and then, but you have to shut it down. And the way I shut it down, I try to encourage the person. If I'm getting ready to feel jealous of someone or feel envious, I just make myself encourage them. That doesn't mean if I encourage you that I was feeling jealous of you first, but sometimes it might. Um, (laughs) But uh, the first area is comparison causes either insecurity or pride. And that's it. There's no good thing that comes out of comparison. You're either going to be insecure after you compare yourself or you're going to feel proud. I'm better. Oh, thank goodness. I'm not them. Thank goodness I didn't do that with my kid. Then you look at somebody else and you're like, oh, they did it better than me. I better step it up. And honestly, I don't think that social media helps with this. If you're like me at the end of the day, you might be feeling all right. You know, like, hey, my kids didn't kill each other. And I didn't have to go to the principal's office. I'm doing good. And then you get to scrolling down through and you see one person has posted, we had a pajama day today because I just wanted to soak in the essence of my kids because they grow so fast. And you're like, oh, I should have done that. And then you see the next poster has said, Today, we got up early, we arose before the sun, and we went and fed the homeless, and then we came home and baked cookies for my next-door neighbor, and then we wrote a letter to my congressman, and on and on and on it goes, and you're like, I'm a failure. I didn't do either of those things. I, I just survived today. Well, God doesn't mean for you to have those feelings. He doesn't mean for you to look to the right or the left. And in John 21, 18 through 23, says, Peter, Peter is talking, the Lord has just told him, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. So Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? And Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? And Jesus replied, if you want him, oh, no, sorry, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? It's none of your business. What God wants to do to somebody else, it's none of your business. God has something special for you. And if you're looking around to the right and to the left, you're going to miss what he wants to do in you. I'm so glad y'all are getting this. This is good. I like those amens. Keep them coming. Um, but uh, oh, now I just lost my train of thought. Um, anyway, yeah, insecurity, pride, you're going to miss it. Um, oh, well, it'll come back to me in a minute. The second thing is comparison. And this is a harsh one, okay? Comparison begins with envy. So let's look at what the Bible says about envy. It's not, it's not pretty. Um, James three fourteen through 16, it says, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and hello, demonic. It's demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Well, I don't know how much more plain he could put it, really. 
Just don't do it. But here's the thing. If you feel that, because we're human, we have flesh and bone. If you feel that creeping into your life, maybe it's just already a habit in your life. Just hear the voice of Jesus saying, what's it to you? What's it to you? You look at me and follow me. Number three, comparison skews our identity in Christ. Like I said before, God made you the way you are. He made you special, he made you unique, and he made you the parent of your child. Or he made you the CEO of your company. Or he made you the father of your family. He made you whatever you are. And he doesn't want you getting any ideas from anybody else about what you're supposed to be. You keep your eyes on him. Second uh, Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, uh, I'm using the New King James Version if you're in your... Um, call it the Bible, (laughs) your little you version. Um, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. I, I, I remember a time in my life, actually, I'm just ashamed of it, but, um, a time in my life where I really didn't trust the identity that, that God had given me. And I did, I tried to be like other people. It's miserable. It's just absolutely miserable. And, and I look back on that time with a lot of remorse because I feel like I wasted those years trying to be like other people. When, you know, I'm not perfect, but this is what God gave me. You know, just do the best with it, right? Um, well, I just want to say this to you as parents. Um, God knew your weaknesses and your strengths before he gave you your children. And yet he gave you your children. Okay? Does that, does that, do you understand that? Like he knew you, he foreknew you. And yet he said, hey, these are the kids that I'm going to give to you. You are just right for them. If you trust in me, Um, you are what they need. So whatever it is you're good at, that's what your kids need. And whatever it is you struggle at, either your kids don't need it or God's going to help you get better at that thing. Okay, so I just want to encourage you in that. I love uh, Psalm 139, 16. Aaron and I actually used this in our wedding invitations because um, I loved it so much. But it says, you saw me before I was born. Every day in my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day has passed or had passed. God's not taken off guard by your children's misbehaviors. He's not taken off guard. If your kid is going down the wrong path, you stay firm. You don't give up. You keep praying. You keep doing what you know to do. Amen? Now, in this whole parenting with purpose thing, another thing that I saw from some of the responses that I got is what I like to call the danger zone of parenting with purpose, and that is control. Okay? You may disagree with me. I don't think that God wants us to control our children. We are, the Bible says to train 
up your children. You train them. Well, sometimes in training, you know, things don't go the way you planned. You, you may take one step forward and two steps back in your training. And sometimes you've got to add, a, I mean, what, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't train for anything. But, you know, I'm, I'm guessing from watching Aaron lift weights that some days you add more weight and then some days you take weights up. You know what I'm saying? So you got to adjust um, to where you are um, in life. But, but when you base your purposeful parenting on biblical principles with faith and trust, then it is a beautiful thing. But when faith and trust are left out of it and you become fearful and try to control, then it's just a disaster, to be frank with you. I want to read you two more excerpts of people that responded to me. Um, The first one just absolutely broke my heart. And um, I know this lady, and I know I've watched her parent, and I've always admired her. Um, because she seems so graceful in the face of, you know, a lot of adversity. And um, so I was rather shocked to get this. But um, she says this, I suffer with separation anxiety and not being able to control their environment. The thought of them hurting in any way, be it sickness, bullying, missing me or their dad, I struggle deeply. It just breaks my heart. And it just goes to show you, you can't just look at somebody and know what they're going through on the inside. Us women, we know how to put on our happy face. Like, in fact, just this morning, I had to scream at my kids before we got here. I just had to get it out of my system. They were, they were nuts. And, um, and then they did a little bit of screaming themselves, you know. But you walk in the doors, and it's like, you better smile when we walk in here. Hi, how you doing? And usually the longer I draw out my hi when I say hi to you in the mornings, that's like the crazier day that I've had. It's like, hi, we're doing great. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So um, uh, anyway, all this control, it just reminds me, I always try to look at the, like look at mothers in the Bible and see like, well, what did they do? You know, they didn't have cell phones and email. How in the world did they control their children? And I actually ended up writing a blog about this one because this, passage just drives me crazy, but it's Luke 2, 41 through 52. And um, it's talking about, you know, Jesus and his parents, they've gone to this festival. And so then the festival's over and they're leaving to go back home. And this is what happens. It says, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, that's how old my daughter Abby is. So when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first. I say, what? I mean, I don't know if I would have left Jerusalem without my kids, you know. And I, I mean, I try to give them some space, but anyway, I'm not pointing fingers because I'll tell you why here in a minute. But um, uh, his parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they couldn't find him, they went, I mean, they couldn't find him. You know, that's crazy. They went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, three days later, They finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions. I want to skip on down. Obviously, his parents went out of their mind, right? And Jesus told them, why didn't you know where I was? 
Like, you don't know me well enough. Like, you didn't know that I was going to be about my father's business. So 51, if you want to skip ahead to that. So he, he returned to Nazareth with them. And um, he was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Well, I bet you she did. I would have been, listen, if, when I found him, Jesus or not, I would have whooped his butt. You know, I'm sorry, but yeah. Like, like I'm going to be okay with that, you know. All right. But anyway, it has a happy ending because in 52, it says Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Jesus grew. Jesus, God. He's perfect, but he was human. He kind of, you know, disobeyed his parents and stuff. And if Jesus can be allowed that and he still grew in stature and favor and wisdom, can we allow that of our children? We don't have to control everything. I mean, yeah, we protect them. There's a fine line between protection and control. You want to protect them. You don't want to set them out in the middle of traffic and say, God's going to take care of you. You know, you don't do that. But kind of got to let them learn lessons because what's going to happen when they turn 18 or they go off to college for the first time and they've never been allowed to experience anything under your supervision. I have this, I have this vision in my head of these kids walking around with glazed over looks like, huh, what's going on? Mommy. And I was kind of like that. And I know my mom's going to listen to this, but my mother did everything for me and my brother because she loved us. I mean, she, she just wanted to That's how she shows love. She does things for people. You walk in her house, she's going to sit you down, put your feet up, cook for you, all that. But it would have been helpful if she would have taught us how to do laundry, you know, because then every weekend I had to go home and let her do it. I eventually figured it out, right? (laughs) I do the laundry, but he does a lot of other things. But anyway, um... (laughs) So, um, there's a moment in the movie Nemo that, um, I love this movie and I don't like a lot of animated shows, but I really do like this one. And there's a moment in it that I remember seeing it and just thinking, Oh, that is so true. But it's like Marlon, you know, he's the dad of Nemo and he's lost Nemo and he's going crazy trying to find him. They didn't have cell phones either. (laughs) And, um, and so he's going crazy trying to find, uh, Nemo and Dory and he are having a conversation and he says, I promised I would never let anything happen to him. And Dory goes, well, that's a funny thing to promise. You can't never let anything happen to them. Then nothing would ever happen to them. And that's a good word, you know? Pray that God would give you wisdom, but you gotta let your kids experience a little bit of life. Watch them, but maybe just take a step back. You know, I don't know who this is for, but anyway, they're, they're just... The Bible says to train up a child. You know, you baby-proof when they're little, and you set up things around the hot burner, and you put the little stopper in the, um, in the electrical outlet. But, you know, I'm 40 now, and I know better. I don't have to have that for me. I know not to stick my finger in there. I know not to t- touch the hot stove. Because you do it once, and it hurts. You know, and then you know not to do it again. My friend Amy said something that she struggles with. um, She wrote to me and said, the thing I struggle with is trying to explain an imperfect world to an anxious child. You want to say nothing bad will happen. I can protect you. 
But that's just not true. And it's not. We can't always protect our children. Even if we keep them in our grasp 24-7, the world is imperfect. But God is perfect and he is able. And as hard as it is, we must trust. And when we do that, when we trust and we keep our eyes on God, then our children will grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Amen? The last area that I'm going to talk to you about, it's something I'm very passionate about, is communicating blessing to your children. Communicating, speaking over them a blessing. Um, In light of all these fears, the feelings of inadequacy, stress, um, it's just important that that you pray specific things over your parents. Aaron and I, we start with a basic foundation of five things. I'm going to quickly go over these, and I'm going to tell you the scripture reference, but I'm not going to read them. Um, and honestly, you can probably just, you know, concordance it or go on your version and type in a word. It'll give you even more scripture references than the ones that we came up with. But um, we pray that our children will, number one, will live for Christ joyfully. Live for Christ joyfully. We use 1 Corinthians 8.6, Galatians 2.20. And Galatians 4, 19. Um, Living for Christ joyfully comes easy to two of my children. And one of them, not so much. He's just not always happy. And so it's something that we pray over him. And you don't give up. And you don't get discouraged. Like, oh, I wish God had made you different. It's like, you know what? God made you the way you are. And that's going to be important. At some point in your life, that is going to be important. And God's going to use that to bless other people. Number two, we pray that our children will grow strong spiritually. Ephesians 6, 10 and 11. You just put on the armor of Christ. You live for him strong. Number three, that our children will serve Christ effectively. We want them to serve, not just come to church all the time, but go out and serve. It's important that they see that. Number four, that they will experience fellowship personally. And can you guess what scripture reference that is? Acts 2.42, that they would have fellowship with the people in the church. And number five, that they will bring others to Christ regularly. And an amazing thing with my daughter, Abby, um, she does that. And, And I could probably name about five families in this church that come to this church because of her. And I think that's pretty amazing. She just has an awesome little witness. Um, And the last thing, and maybe the most important thing, is I just believe that it's incredibly important, like I said before, to bless your children daily, all day, every day, throughout the day, with your words and your actions, but especially at night before bed and in the morning, before they, if, they leave, if they leave your house to go to school or whatever. Um, it's just really important. Um, your children, they need to hear you going before the throne of God on their behalf. Did you hear what I said? Your children need to hear you going before the throne of God on their behalf. If you do not speak, and maybe you feel uncomfortable. You know what? I did at first too. But you do it. You do it anyway. Because if you don't speak over them, someone or something else will. Who do you want speaking over your children? 
And every night before bed, we pray over the kids. And somehow we've had this prayer that's just kind of spiraled out of control, really. But um, with each nightmare that they had, Lincoln would add a little something onto this prayer. Mom, pray for me. And so with the boys, I pray this over them. With Abby, it's more like she just wants me to pray that she would be a good witness at school or for her grades or things like that. But with the boys, we pray this, and it goes like this. Now I pray no nightmares, no odd dreams, no wild dreams, no crazy dreams, no embarrassing dreams, and no awkward dreams, but only good, comfortable, and awesome dreams. In Jesus' name, amen. And when we get to the awesome, they like to do it with me, you know, put their voices up in that little falsetto. And then I just kind of wait and I ask the Holy Spirit to show me what they need prayer for after this day. Like Lincoln always wants me to pray that he'll be strong and fast. And Luke always wants me to pray that he'll end up, that he'll wake up in a good mood and have a good day at school. So you can kind of see where their little minds are going. But beyond that, I just kind of wait for a minute. And I just let the Holy Spirit tell me, this is what you need to speak over your children today. This is what they've been going through. And they need their mom, they need their dad to pray over them these things. And that's what I do. And then I go into Abby and I do the same thing. It is so powerful. Don't you know the enemy, he wants you to get too distracted during the day. He wants you to be too tired. My kids will not let me. If I, like on Wednesday nights, if I stay here late and Aaron's taking them home to put them to bed, they will call me and I have to pray with them over the phone or I pray with them before they leave here. But it means so much to them. And maybe you, you know, maybe you're just, you don't know what to say, or you don't know how to communicate this to your children. Look in the Bible. There are some extremely powerful um, charges, some extremely powerful prayers. Um, I like in the mornings before my kids leave, I'll be honest, it's chaotic. It's crazy trying to catch the bus and everything. And sometimes I'm chasing them out the door, you know, trying to put my hands on their head. And sometimes I make it, sometimes I don't. And if they get out the door before I do, they shoot me this look like, don't you even think following me out here, but, um, <laughs> but you know, I, I try to do as much as I can. And, and we take from like Isaiah 61. It's an awesome place to take a, a powerful prayer over your children. Ephesians six, which is the armor of God, and especially start that when they're young and just make them put on the armor of God. They, they like it. It's fun and everything. And then Galatians five, the fruits of the spirit, you know, I pray love. I pray you will be loving today. I pray you will be kind, that you will have joy in the presence of the Lord. And, you know, just on and on and on. And right now, if we can have the, um, the communion, can we go ahead and have that brought out? I read a quote the other day by Bob Goff. It says, um, if you want to put that up there, it says, flip to the end of your life and read about how love wins, fear loses, and hope lasts, then go live the next chapter. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to suffer. The voice of the tormentor is dying for attention. We don't have to do that because we know who wins in the end. Amen. God is writing the story of your life and he already knows how it's going to end. So just be confident in that. While they're passing out the communion, I'm going to pray over you. 
I'm going to pray a charge over you. And just position yourself to receive. Just open up your heart. Open up your spirit and just receive this. That you are enough. You are enough to take this on. Whatever it is that God has given you. He's equipped you. He has equipped you. So pray with me now. I pray that the spirit of God is upon you. That he has anointed you to be a bearer of good news. He is using you to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives and prisoners will be freed. He is sending you out to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. You are priests of the Lord. You are ministers of our God. You feed on the treasures of the nations and boast in their riches. Instead of shame and dishonor, you enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. So take a firm stand, feet on the ground and head high. Keep a tight grip on what you were taught. May Jesus himself put a fresh heart in you, invigorate your work, and enliven your speech. Let it be so. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake.